0: Welcome, I'm Les Bukka and you're listening to Accidental Podcast or something like that. Today I have a pleasure talking to Tracy Radley uh, from Kuraten Practical Karate. Tracy is running that club, she's a head instructor I believe. Um, So we're going to try to pick her brain how it is from the running the club from a a ladies' point of view. Hello Tracy, how are you? I'm very well,
1: thank you. How about you?
0: I'm um, very good, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to other martial artists. Um, could you give us some uh, uh, your story? Starting, how did you start martial arts? Um, a bit about you.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah. So um, I've been training for about 22 years. Um, when I was a child, um, my parents both did karate. I think they stopped when I was very young, sort of toddler age. Um, but my dad taught me a little bit of karate while I was growing up. I was bullied at school and he, he gave me a little bit of insight into the martial arts. Um, so when I got to 16 I, yeah, and I started a part-time job and had a bit of my own money, I joined, joined the dojo. And the all, all, karate all started, started from there, really. Um, at that time, I thought I wanted to join the police and become a police officer. So at 16, I was like, this would be something really good to do. I ended up not embarking on that, and I actually ended up working, uh, I still worked in local government, but I went down the media world, uh, making films, um, and uh, like local go- uh, corporate films, and you know, uh, public information films, like Say No Tonight, that kind of thing. Um, I did that for some time until I had my children um and then i became photographer but all the way through i've had the martial arts i've trained literally uh being trained within several different clubs now and uh, and then during this lockdown unfortunately i lost my photography business and thought you know what i've always wanted to open my own club let's just go for it so um yes yeah, and i did
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, so you said your dad um, sent you to video karate. Is that how it started or did you just went because they told you to go and then return no, to no. The
1: <laughs> So No, um, no. Yeah, he just taught me a little bit at home from a very young age um, and that was that sort of bit, but I always had it in my mind and I'd always wanted to do it. Um, so yeah, I just decided at 16, like this is what I'm going to do and 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 went and tried and did it off you know like i think my parents dropped me off on the first day and then that was it and i um yeah i I did it off with my own back my money and i've always just stuck at it no matter what it's been the one consistency throughout my whole life no matter what's happened you know i've trained i've I've, I've got a joint condition i've I've had several knee operations um i've trained throughout i've trained pregnant I've trained with a baby in my arms, teaching. <laughs> I've literally trained, no matter what I've trained.
0: Oh, uh, awesome. Uh, why karate? Why not something
1: else? Probably just because of everything that my dad told me, really. So my dad was, uh, he trained in mm-hmm. Um. So um, yeah, because of that, that, that sparked the interest. Um, my first club that I was in was actually more of a sports type party and they've kind of amalgamated waterloo and kickboxing, so I had like an insight into that. I have looked at other things and I have dabbled in other things because I didn't want to be too isolated, so I've I've had a little look and I've been to some different classes, not to you haven't joined clubs, but it's always good to, um, to get your options open and, and be open and to other styles.
0: So, how did you? A bit different question. Uh, how did you transition to um, practical therapy?
1: Ah, okay. So, um, I started with the, the more of a sport type party, um, and then I moved into I moved house. Um, i got my own house. Obviously, I was a teenager when I started. Moved away. So then I started doing uh, waterway, and I did that for um, thirteen years, which was great. And you know, I learned a lot. Um, I did my grade William Waterway um, and we were doing a lot of competitions and things again which is great it has a place but I just got to the stage where I just thought I'm really interested in the practical aspects I want I want I want to find out more I started watching uh, videos of Ian Abernethy and I was thinking wow you know I really this is really interesting I really want to know more um, and I went along to uh, Kiwi practical parties and I was doing uh, one of Ian's seminars and I just was like wow I I need more of this, this is what I want to learn. So it was a big step because I've been with that club for 13 years, but I was like, no, I think this is where my journey is going. So I moved over to Curie and went to train with them um, and just teaching for them as well. Um, And then started going to seminars at Ian's and uh, Christian Bedebark. And then I've done some training in Jamie club as well. And just sort of opened opened my eyes.
0: Uh, yeah. So how long you How, about, you? <laughs> how about me, um, I kind of yeah. always been yeah. in a practical because my, my teacher always was doing kind of practical stuff. I didn't know it's something like like practical karate. We just done karate. So only when I moved to the UK, I realized oh people call that practical karate. So um, I'm kind of <laughs> always been in that situation. I've never been in a sports karate. Why? Well, that's not true. Um, the part of our club was a knockdown competition part. So kind of kept pushing away. So full contact and stuff, but uh, yeah, well, I kind of always been in it, but I just only learned that it existed here. <laughs> so, um, you are an instructor, you are the coach. Um, how long it took you to become an instructor? Because you're kind of a novelty. You and Mary Stevens are novelty in the karate world. There's not many female instructors, um, which is kind of puzzling, because I thought, I thought there be more ladies doing that stuff. Um, so, what did you start? How did you become the instructor?
1: Okay, so for my first club, um, I got to uh, about a third queue. From fourth queue, I started helping teaching the warm-ups, helping teaching the kids, doing a little bit of teaching. Then when I transferred over to the Waterloo Club, um, because it was slightly different style, I wore a white belt for a year and waited for them to assess me within their club, and they assessed me to a fourth queue within their club. Once I got to about 30, I started teaching for them. And then um, when the instructor was on holiday and things, I started taking their clubs for them, started doing the lessons. Um, for a couple of years, I helped run a club local to my area. There was near another downgrade under the chief instructor. But we ran that together for a couple of years until I had my son. Then it became a little trickier to do that because obviously I had a baby. Um, and it was, it was just, I was training, but it was too tricky. Um, and then I just carried on teaching for them. Um, yeah, so teaching every week, joining um, and teaching the lessons. Then when I moved to Kiri, I um, offered my services there. I so, said, you know, I'm quite happy to teach. I enjoy teaching. Uh, you can learn so much from teaching. You don't really know something until you teach it. Once you teach it, then you know, if someone asks you a question. you like, oh, I've never thought of that. They might be four years old and they ask you something and you're like, wow. I don't know so I think teaching is great um so but going out on my own is, has been a big step it, it's having that confidence to do it but you know what I've been teaching for 13 years I'm at my new club the uh, Purotin um it's it's obviously E-E's new for me at the moment I've just done my first month as of, of me being the teaching instructor and it's the, the butt rest with me and how do I want to teach this you know I know four or five different ways of doing this cutter but which way am I going to teach it and um, so it, it's a massive learning curve and I've got so much more to learn but I'm loving it. It's, it's great.
0: Was, that, was it a difficult transition um, from the, being an instructor for a sports karate club to becoming a uh, practical karate exponent?
1: Oh yeah <laughs> it was uh, obviously I was training as well so I was always trying to learn the practice side of things and the teaching. Um, and it, it does take a while. Um, during all of this as well, I got to mention, I also, just to top my training up, because I have to train enough each week, mm-hmm. um, I joined a Chotekan club for a couple of years just, to, just so that I could keep my training up. I was interested as well because I wanted to know what Chotekan tactics were like. I wanted to understand more about that and how that compared to what a roof. Uh, and the same with the, uh, the practical side of things. So now when I, when I'm training and teaching, Sometimes the, the show to cam pops up in my water cutters or sometimes a bit of competition stuff <laughs> It's all sort of amalgamated and I have to try and separate it. So yeah, you can but I, I explain to my students You know what sometimes it's a bit about making the karate fit the student and not the student fit the karate And that's what it's about. You know, not everybody's the same and I'm a firm believer everyone should be able to train um, I have a, a few people um, in my club with various disabilities. I myself have a joint condition. Um, it doesn't matter. We just find a way for it to work for them. And, that, and that, that, that's kind of my philosophy, really.
0: Uh, brilliant. I, I have the same problem with my wife. My wife um, is trained in Aikido, Judo, Kung Fu and Karate. Well, I, she tries to do the same as you, keeping everything separate. Uh, my view is bring it all together and make your own. So (laughs) get those goals, keep everything in the middle and make it your own. Uh, It's gonna be working better. And don't worry if it's that Shotokan artist, yeah. We've got a guy in Shotokan, from Shotokan in our club now. And yesterday we had a conversation because he just asked me, oh, I would like to do some more of Shotokan Kata because we've got only a couple of those. I said, why don't you do it on the side? We do ours, you do ours, you do yours. Um, So eventually we agreed that next week is gonna be doing Shotokan Katas, you know? It's something different, something new for students. So they can evolve on that. Uh, you mentioned yeah. adaptation and uh, disability students. That's something which resonates with me because I've got the disability students in mind. How do you go about it? What's your recipe for success? Pardon? Sorry, I What's
1: missed this, that
0: one. <laughs> What's your recipe for success with the students,
1: uh, the disability students? Uh, okay, so. Okay, so um, I'll give you an example. I have a a few students with various um, disabilities, but I have a a student who's a wheelchair user. um, And for me, I have never taught anybody who uses a wheelchair. So I was thinking, okay, his parents said to me, would it be possible? Is this something that could work? And I said, well, I don't see a reason why not. It's not something I've done, but with the practical element of it, it's important for everybody to have an understanding of the self-protection side of things, of how to protect themselves. So I said, right, let's research this. Let's, let's try and find out. I feel I'm in a group, um, called The Tribe, of a group of instructors from actually I think all, over the, all over the country, all over, I think, Northern Ireland as well. And I, I said to them, look, has anyone got any experience? Um, I contacted various people, really uh, world-class instructors, and said help. Um, And I also uh, asked the family if I could borrow a wheelchair to have a look to see, well, what's it like teaching from that? What's it like training from that position? Once you sit down and you take your feet off the floor and you're not grounded, well, okay, how does this work? And do I want to teach, if I was teaching Hata, do I want to teach him in the same way that just to make it look like um, what an able, able body person would be able to do or no, let's make it more functional so actually figuring this out and working out what, what is functional part from that position what would actually work not make it just look the same shape it needs to work
0: mm. well yeah I love it when i seen on your on your Facebook page that you actually done yourself the training on a wheelchair and I thought that's a perfect example of karate being functional and practical because you're dealing yeah. with the, with a function of the wheelchair and a practical approach to that training. I've got a few students who have to use chairs, so it's kind of the um, same but they cannot move with the chair but they cannot move um really on the legs. So so I can um, I can relate to that quite highly. Um great when people to... putting... Do you sit sitting down? you sit down when you're teaching them. when you sit down
1: as well?
0: Uh, no, because I've got mixed um people. I demonstrate how to do it on a chair. Uh, so I okay. as you I've seen how it is, what we can do and how we can do, uh but no, because I have got other students who are more mobile in the same class, so I have to balance between uh, so sometimes we're sitting or I'm not moving and stuff. Um, but yeah, make it work you know i think I think the key to it is to communicate. Because nobody else can tell you the best what they feel and how they are, the person who is in that position. So, yeah, I think, I think you're doing a great job. Um, okay, let's try yeah. to see what was the biggest obstacle in your journey as a female instructor? Did you have the problems with or because you're a lady, you're not strong enough, not, I don't know, whatever whatever excuse people got.
1: <laughs> okay, so being a woman in martial arts, um, those challenges, the challenges for everybody, um, the things that you come across. Um, for example, when you're a teenager, uh, when I was in sports karate, um, there wasn't any other girls training of my age. There was kids, little kids, but there's no teenage girls. There's no women training. So when I was doing karate, well, who are you going to fight? Oh well, you have to fight the teenage boys. You might be older than the teenage boys. Oh, you're about that size. Go and fight them. And the teenage loves you might not necessarily have the control as yet. Um, and then when you get uh, a bit older and um, you're standing there and everyone, you're the only woman and you could be in a dojo of 30, 40 guys and they say, up And you're standing there looking around going, oh, I don't know to to up with me. So you end up having to prove yourself and yeah, I can do this and if you take a knock you don't show any pain, you get straight back up again and you carry on because you feel like if you show any pain or you show anything, I can't take that, then that's it. They won't want to pair up with you. Um, so you just you just keep going no matter what happens. You just pick yourself back up and, and keep going. Um, I think as well, it, it's tricky. Um, for me, folding uh, program, and trying to train and teach while pregnant. Obviously, all during that time, you can't grade, so you 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 stay stagnant and you watch other people overtake you, and um, some women obviously stop doing any contact when they time as well, so that could progress, so you get held back. And then you have a baby, and then all of a sudden, like if you're a breastfeeding mum, you're like, well, that class, it, it's the same time as the baby's feet, so what do I do? And, can I take the baby to class? And I have done it once. I did do it. I helped teach a class with the baby in my arms because the instructor was desperate. Um, but you just have to try and work around it. And it has, it has been obstacles like that. Um, I've, had, I've been teaching a class and you have male students talk over you and just try and sort of shut you down. Or even someone knew that, why would you know about this? Um, so you end up thinking, okay, you listen. I always listen to what people have to say because you can learn something from absolutely everybody. Listen and say, okay, I hear you, but this is my perspective. And sometimes you have to really say, well, no, um, this is what we're doing and this is why. Uh, or guys even outstrengthening you. So you're trying to, to train with them. And you've got the technique you're supposed to be doing, and they're much stronger than you. I'm, I'm really, really small. You know, I'm like a UK size six. So most people, even women, tend to be bigger than me. And out strength and say, no, no, it's not working. And you're like, well, I know the technique works, but I don't want to put the pressure on this person you or give you a softener to make it work. So mm-hmm. working around obstacles like that really and establishing that that respect for yourself within a dojo. Mm-hmm.
0: It's not be difficult. I, I, my club, always, my, even if I was teaching in Poland, my clubs are female dominated. I don't know why, I've more guys I than know. guys Everywhere I go, I don't know. <laughs> just, maybe because maybe I'm tiny, so the women, women feel like more safer with me and the guys don't want to train because he's shorty. Um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Relate to your size size-wise because I'm always the smallest one around. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, we never had, uh, I never experienced um, women being belittled, at least in my surroundings, because it's kind of natural for me that the big part of my clubs is the girls. And to be honest, some of the girls who training with me, it is, they, they rip you to shreds. <laughs> so, very aggressive, very aggressive. <laughs> um, so I enjoy it. Uh, I promote it, uh, as you know, um, and I think that, um, we should be all equal. But I you hope know, it's uh, that's why I'm doing this series as well to bring more attention that you know there are ladies there who are doing an amazing job and uh, there are no worse than any other person. Um, but from the point of view of an uh, instructor, when you're going now for seminars and stuff, do people give you a uh, strange looks, disagree with you because you're instructor now? Um, you're doing the practical karate, is that they trying to still uh, kind of um, Belittle you because you're a woman. I know you're with a tribe. I know they're great people. So you grow up. Now don't experience that much because that group and Ian's group as well is is really really promoting people and everybody get a good feedback and push up. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, I
1: think for me, so with, in, with instructors and training partners, you know, I, I I believe you know people um, are you. You've got the respect. We've trained it's okay, I respect others, others respect me, um, of course you get new people coming off the street into the folks, you know, people you don't know, um, sometimes they won't look at me, <laughs> really, and if, if, if I'm talking just generally and, you know, I'm not in a gi and we're out and someone talks martial arts, you look at you, okay, and, you know, sometimes if you train training contact, things happen, get hurt, I had a couple of black eyes and a broken nose not long ago. Um, and being male, people look at me. Oh, what have they been up to? They're the woman It's like, oh my gosh, what have you done? <laughs> you know, it's completely. It things happen. It's changed. very not very often, but sometimes things happen. Sometimes you know, if I've been grappling, I might have bruises all down my arms. Yeah. Um, and the looks that you get, it's like, why? Why is that? And um, you have to explain and. Sometimes, but I just think, well, this is me, this is what I do. Um, I'm quite happy to explain it. And you know, accidents don't very ha- often happen, often happen. Um but if I was doing football or rugby or ice skating, I could fall over and get injured, <laughs> you know, th- things happen. Um so you can get looks from that, but you will get um people try. Um, you'll get normally I've had it that I've been training with guys and they will try to um, you know, they don't like it if you start to win. And they will. I been pinned on the floor and all sorts of things. And it's, it's working out know, whether you verbalise that or getting out and treating yourself. But on the whole, you know, martial artists, it's fine. It's just when you get new people in who might not have the respect yet, that's when you tend to have
0: more difficulty. Yeah, the to punch it through, isn't it? respect is punch, punch into people.
1: <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but, um, you know, you think that once people trained, they understand, but not everybody's like that, and you never know who's going to walk through those doors. Um, you yeah, a little bit more so now with all the COVID regs, you have to know who's going to be in your dojo. So <laughs> at least everyone's yeah, yeah. uh, booked, you know who's going to be there.
0: Um, so, how was how the starting the club in the middle of the lockdown?
1: Wow. Well, I kind of thought I started it. I, I have put the idea together when I realized my photography business was no more and I had to make a big decision. It was huge. It was like, what do I do? And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, and I thought, oh, I think it was probably maybe March. April time. I don't know, I'll start September, by September we won't be social distancing anymore, September's a really good time to start a club because kids are going back to school, um, so for children you'll get a really good influx, is a really good time to start an adult club, so I hope, hope to open more in January, because New Year's resolution, but starting lockdown, it did give me the time, although I was obviously teaching two children home school, at the same time I was like right okay I need a name, and when I came up with the name for my club, I was like, I want something that's personal and something that means something to me. So I had time to be able to think about that and, and what was I going to call it? And then uh, work out, you know, what was I going to teach and uh, put everything together, you know, start creating a website and start advertising and all of those things that I might not have been able to do should we if I'd have carried on trying to do the photography business at the same time.
0: Um, actually, you mentioned about the name. I'm guessing it's black something, black panther, black.
1: Ah, oh, no, it's so kurotin. I'm going for the
0: Japanese names. Kuro is uh, black. I, tell, I don't know what it is, but. Ah, uh, oh,
1: no. I, yeah. A kurotin is a creature. So, a kurotin, the English word for kurotin is sable, which is my maiden name. Oh, but okay. a sable or carotin, It's is like a yeah, a weasley type creature. It lives in various various countries, but it also lives in Japan, and the Japanese version is called Kuretin. It's very small. It looks really cute, which people tend to say, yeah, you're small and cute. How can you do that? Um, But it's really territorial. It's a brilliant fighter. um, But the reason that it manages to do those things is because it has other skills. So it's Mm -hmm. really quick thinking. um, It can move really well. It has all these different skills that enable it to be able to take down um prior is much much bigger than itself so i thought well okay. that's me i really and when i teach so my my junior um my my infants uh four to six year olds and my juniors are seven to twelve i call them the curating Cubs, and i've got a big picture of the corotin and we hold it up and we talk about those things and we talk about the fact okay they're small but that doesn't mean that you know we can't be quick thinking we don't always you don't have to fight you there are other ways and you can do all of these things to avoid a fight um, but when you need to you can do it it doesn't matter that you're small so i really like those attributes and it meant something and because it was my maiden name as well I, I liked it it was personal for me and that then my little creating picture on my back <laughs>
0: yeah that's brilliant that's, uh, i really like it i really like it um coming back to the, the female uh, instructors what do you think are the biggest obstacles and holdbacks uh for women uh we we spoke about it a little bit but why do you think there's so little of uh female instructors running the club
1: um i think to be honest it's because women tend to drop out of martial arts before they they get to that level or they dip in and out so for example at the moment i've been speaking to a lot of people and um, sort for of my adult club and quite a few women have said to me i trained when i was a child and i you know i got to a brown belt i trained for five years and i was like why did you stop and I like, oh we stopped when we were a teenager because of the white bees mm. and you know once a month we don't want to be wearing white bees and that's a massive massive thing at that age i don't know if you've noticed this but you will lose a lot of girls around teenagers for that reason so the first thing that i did was like everyone's growing black we're all wearing ease It's practical. It takes it away. A lot of a lot of t-shirts, men's you know, club t-shirts, tend to be white. What happens with white t-shirts when you get hot and sweaty? They go see-through. No. Guys don't mind that. Women do. So you lose you, so you lose a load at teenage level. If you can keep them at teenage level, sometimes you lose you lose students anyway when they go to university. Mm. If you don't lose them and you manage to retain them. And, you know, and they can get past the fact that they're doing something where they might get bruised, that it's not seen as attractive and girly to to other people. Then when it comes to them having children, um, they're pregnant, they think, oh, I mustn't train. And if they, they, they're not in a, a club with a supportive instructor, perhaps they, they might stop. And then once they've got a baby, um, it's, well, OK, I, I can't fit this in. Or there is no maternity leave for a year. They don't have enough enough money to fund it so they tend to stop then so you lose a load um and then as well um when they've got children sometimes you get women come back when they've got kids but then once the kids stop training they stop training because it just seems to be i don't know why but in society it seems to be good the women if you're if they're if they're mom not all women are but if you are a mum you end up putting yourself last so everybody else goes first um mm-hmm. So for the time you're like, well, is there any money left at the end of the month or is there any time for me to do this? And it tends not to be. Um, So I think that if you can manage to retain those students, if you can do things like the understanding to teenagers and women about, you know, do they really have to wear a white gi? Is it really going to affect their training? Because it's a massive thing for women. Okay, let them wear black. Understand if they're late for class. They can't always help it. And just not make a big thing of it. It's like, okay, yeah, it's fine. I'd rather you be here and be a little bit late because you've had all this stuff happen or let them train when they're pregnant. Understand they want to bring the baby to the class and the baby to the clam and it's all safe, you know, and you're with all your risk assessment and everything. Why not give them the opportunity? Because they're the things, if if women could continue training, then I think there'd be loads more instructors that are gone out. It's just if they end up dropping out of martial arts and then also giving women an opportunity to teach um sometimes women won't be the most confident it's building up their self-esteem and their self-confidence to say you can do this can you teach this group and build them up just like the male students uh, and obviously there may be male students that might not have enough confidence but in my experience i found that you know sometimes the male will be, oh yeah i'm fine but sometimes women might need a little bit more. not always um, but
0: they're just my observations from what I've seen over the last twenty odd years. Yeah, sure definitely uh, my my wife was training but since we've got children nearly four years she didn't have time or energy or a will to go. Uh, so I kind of see what you mean and uh but for me as well it was even much harder to uh it's harder to do anything because they are so demanding that uh, you just don't have energy to do stuff what you want. Um and on the black geese, well, I'm, my, I don't teach children or teenagers, I only teach adults. So I never had a request to wear a black geese, I bought that one. So I brought, brought the black geese, it drives me crazy. All the dust speckles you can see on them and wear the white geese, it just drives me
1: crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but would you, if you had the opportunity? If you gave women or gave anyone the opportunity to say that if you want to wear black with your female, just if you were to float the idea, it'd be really interesting to see if you said to them, if you had the opportunity to wear they might not think it's an option, but if you said to your, all the, all the students, but especially women, would you like it? Would you like to wear black gay? would be really, it maybe might be something worth just asking. Um, because if you're male, they might not feel they can talk to you about that. Um, but if you gave them the option, Okay, you, you do get the white speckles, but you know what? I'd rather have white speckles than other speckles on my white trousers.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, um, from that perspective, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not arguing at that point. i just saying that would drives me. So now, my my policy in my club is that everybody can wear what they want. Um, there's no restriction. If, if we can have either you have a gi or you don't have a gi, you can try in, in t-shirt, jumper, whatever, whatever makes you happy. Um, because for example, I've got the people, person who has got MS. So for him, he's very difficult to change. So he just comes in regular clothing and there's no problem with that, so comfortable clothing. I'm not uh traditional, that people have to be all white and no badges, no t-shirts under. So yeah, I think it's just crazy. Yeah, it's, it's training matters, not how you look. So yeah, I'm, I'm open. Good. <laughs> I've always been like that's that. Right. Always people been complaining that I'm not traditional enough, but I hope that's the way I am. So, bringing us traditional, modern, I'm guessing you're from the tribe, you're from the Ian's kind of house. Um, you are very traditional or more modernistic in approach to the training.
1: Sorry, have you broke up again and I caught the last laugh. <laughs> bit. What did you say? My connection's not great. What was the last little bit?
0: I'm asking if you are on a traditional training side or on a modernistic approach to training. So parts stuff, modern science.
1: Um, probably a mixture. So when I teach kata, I I teach it probably in the way that Waterou would would teach it. Uh, with maybe the odd bit of shape in because it mixes in sometimes, but um, when I'm looking at stuff and thinking about the practicalities of it, I'd much rather look at what works for that body and for that person. Um, as I say, I want to make the karate fit the person, not the person fit karate mm-hmm. because it needs to work for them. What works for me isn't going to work for you, isn't going to work for the next person. You need to, and I'm like, I'm your foot doesn't have to be exactly this far from the floor and exactly here, roughly, but. I think everybody's individual and we need to recognize that and we need to recognize everybody's strengths um, and, and work out what works for them. And I've got, I'm really open to learning new ideas. Um, I'm quite happy i I'm saying learning different styles, doing quite a bit of work with Jenny Club and looking at the completely different styles uh-huh. um, and more mixed martial arts. There's something that we can learn from everything. And I don't want to be too focused in. I've got to teach it this way. We really want to be open to mind this and and learn, and give everybody that you know that opportunity to make it work for them. Really.
0: Yeah. Um. What's uh, been the most inspirational person in your journey?
1: Oh, um. You can you so, can
0: just feel You can just few. few. I know. With one is very <laughs> very very limiting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, well, to start with, obviously. I followed, you know, I followed like in my mama dad's footsteps. So to start with, it was it was my dad. I was like he was training with uh, Tiki Donovan and people like that. So I was like, oh okay, um, and then after that, obviously I went down the Wado world. So um, as a, a young martial artist, I was looking at Sensei Suzuki, thinking wow, it, it, this guy took Wado all through Europe and America, and I, I was interested in him. And then of course Sensei Ogami because of the uh, the books that he wrote this is interesting and then i would say ian thing i i saw his videos and i was just like wow this just makes so much sense and following and pursuing that now um so i guess it, it sort of changed with me as my journey's changed i i've, I've looked at other people and thought okay I, I want to understand more of what you do and uh, and that that's where i'm at now really okay.
0: Um, in uh, you mentioned books, favorite character books.
1: Oh, favorite. Well, Anxious black belt is a uh, brilliant book. Have you read it? Excellent,
0: excellent answer.
1: Excellent. <laughs> really good books,
0: though.
1: <laughs> it is, it's a very good it, That was very close to my heart. I suffered from anxiety myself, and I really heard you in that. I was, yeah, I hear you. I, I, I'm there. I there, I did understand, and yeah, I completely got you. So okay, well done. That that was brilliant. Thank you. Um <laughs> that was brilliant. Um at the moment I'm needing a gift of fear, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, really different take on it. Um and I have a whole collection. I recently had a birthday and I said I you know, I hadn't got many martial arts books. Again we had the whole mom thing. I didn't have no. an income. So my birthday list this year, I actually had a birthday list. I gave it to my husband and it just included the books. <laughs> I have a whole load of books that I'm looking forward to, to reading Um yeah that, that's kind of uh, that, that's my goal, it doesn't happen often we're trying to look after two children and run a home and start a martial arts business and train but um, yeah, I, I will work my way through them and I will I will get there
0: um, You say uh, uh, running the club what's the future plans for the club where do you want to take it?
1: Okay, so my next plan, uh, at the moment I'm full. I've got three lessons, an infant, a junior and a senior adult class. I can only take eight to the lesson due to the social mm-hmm. distancing. I have a waiting list for every class, class which is amazing. Um, my plan is in January to open a daytime class for adults. I've had quite a few mums say to me, we're at home, we'd like to do something during the day. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping it won't just be for mums, it'll be for any adults. Um, I'm hoping to open a home. We've got uh, quite a few children in the area who are homeschooled. So I'm looking at putting something on for them. Um, Obviously I want to grow and expand and build more of the standard club. I'm hoping in the future to look at maybe having a preschool quality skills based class. Obviously obviously it will feed into the club, but it's another way of recruiting adults and getting them feeling comfortable within that environment, getting them to know me, getting the whole family involved. And so you won't just be more of a skills-based thing, but I might look at that. And from a personal perspective, I really want to learn more about self-protection, and I'd really like to teach that. And the fact that I'm a female instructor, sometimes that can be appealing to other women and being able to say, look, I I can teach you this. If You don't feel confident enough going with a male instructor. then Mm -hmm. Or some men might not. So I have had guys say to me they feel more comfortable training with me because they haven't got that whole macho thing. It's... Mm -hmm it is what it is and i take the nikki out of myself all the time you know i'm small it's fine <laughs> um and uh, it just like, yeah okay it doesn't matter um so yeah self-protection is something i really would like to study and and build upon i've got a, a smaller i've got a knowledge obviously i've built up with things that i thought worked but now as i'm at this stage of my martial arts journey i'm like actually i'm not so sure necessarily they would work but it's learning that and, and completely re-evaluating it and also thinking as well how many classes have you been in where they talk about self-protection from a male point of view and like this sucker punch well not many women experience this we experience it in different ways and I really like and I'm looking into well how do women experience violence and those are the skills that we need to be teaching and male and female is different
0: but that's something I'm I'm hoping to do more of next year. Yeah. That's what I like in my club. That uh, I've got that few few girls training with us um, who always put their own spin on it. Because what I think would happen to the woman is not necessarily what the woman is experiencing. That makes that makes sense. No, because you you wouldn't know because you've not been in that perspective. Like I've not been
1: in your perspective, and you you would experience things different to me. I like, really I've not done that. So it's just. Uh, it's just learning. Um, oh, I'll give, I'll give you an example. So, my first adult class, I talked to them about reading body language as part of the thing at the end, and uh, I said, I said to them that I wanted them just to punch in the air when they saw some sort of aggressive body language. So I pulled my shoulders back, stuck my chest out, and all the guys instantly punched like, yeah, aggressive. The women didn't. The women didn't react. So then I leant on the chair and was just like this and just sort of brought my hand up and all the women reacted and oh. it was just the body language of a, of a guy sort of comes in sort of a sleazy hand comes around and the guys were like well why was that aggressive and it was it was so interesting to get that perspective is the awesome. reading of body language how it affects us
0: that's an example, uh, excellent
1: example yeah it makes sense <laughs> it's just different and again i'm not a guy so guys will say to me oh this happens," i was like. Oh, Okay, so we'll work with that. um, We can
0: learn from each other. Tell me where people can find you. More information about your club, where they can sign up, or chat with you.
1: Okay. So I have a Facebook page, Creating Practical Karate. Um, and I also have an Instagram account. I am working on the website, it is coming. (laughs) It is getting there. (laughs) I also had other things this week, like uh, evacuation day for my son and other things that I'm also (laughs) juggling around. (laughs) He needs a costume and all of this other stuff that
0: you're doing, like
1: all of us at the same time. The website's getting there um, and it will be there. But uh, at the moment, Facebook and Instagram creating practical quality. I'd um, love
0: to hear from people. I'm going to put the links in the description below as well. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you Tracy. Uh, and you. I'm wishing you all, all the best and I love your name and, uh, and uh, logo. Thank you very much. It was lovely to
1: talk to you.
2: Hello and welcome to Accidental Podcast or something like that. I'm Les Bubka and in this episode I'll be talking to Tracy Radley mother, martial artist, owner of Kuroten Practical Karate Club. Our conversation will be revolving around Tracy's martial art journey. How did she get involved in karate? How did she get to be a practical karate instructor? And how did she manage to successfully open a club in the middle of pandemic? We are also gonna talk about mental health, inclusion and disability training a big chunk of our conversation is female viewpoint on martial arts the obstacle that ladies face and how we can overcome them and what we as a male uh, instructors can uh, do to help improve image of karate and experience of our students I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation with Tracy I hope you're gonna find it interesting If you would like to uh, be updated with all our new podcasts, please subscribe. If you would like to hear from me about new projects, new offers and training opportunities, please subscribe to our newsletter. You can do that at www.lesbubka.co.uk.